But the challenge for a church plant is as people come into that body of Christ, they might come in with new ideas and say, oh, have you thought of this? Or what about if we do that? Now, the challenge for people who are planning churches is to embrace those new ideas and engage with them and listen. But the, the, the downside of that or the shadow of that can be you're trying to set a certain direction on a as a church with certain values and certain strategies and certain things you want to try and do. And especially if those strategies are different to what people have experienced before, they might come in and they might think, um, oh, I think, oh, I don't think you've got that right. Because at the last church I was at, for example, if they are someone who's come from another church, they might come and say, oh, no, 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 the way we do it works a lot better. It's, you should do it this way. Right. But sometimes you've already talked about it and deliberately not wanted to go that way for, for whatever reason. Welcome back, everyone. We are back on the Shock Absorber, and it is wonderful to have you along with us. We are on YouTube or on your favourite podcast app, and I have two excellent people joining me with an excellent background, I would say. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice that. We'll talk about that later. But uh, Stu is joining us. Hello, Stu. Hello, Joel. Hello. <laughs> and uh, Joey, hey, welcome jo back to the podcast. Yeah, Good I to have you on once again. Uh, we, were, we were discussing a cultural artifact, and I said, let's maybe we'll just talk about what we are enjoying Content-wise, uh, Joey, did you have? Um, did you have I've, I've, my point was, I just finished the entire season of The American Office with my wife last last Saturday night. We finished it. Nice. That was that was a nice. ride. How, um, many, how many seasons? Nine. There's nine seasons, okay. and I think I was quietly impressed of how they managed to keep it funny for that long. Uh, because there's a bit of a dip between like in seasons five or six somewhere, and I was, I was like, I was ready to switch it off, and then it picked back up again. So. We watched it all the way to the end, so that was really good. But um, anything you're reading or watching, Joey? Watching, uh, um, <laughs> I bet the um, the FIDE Grand Swiss Chess Tournament is, <laughs> is on at the moment in the Isle of Man. Really <laughs> riveting stuff. Is that like a is that like the World Championship of chess or something, or is it just it's just one of the major tournaments? Wow, yeah. do you get nervous when you watch it? Uh, no, not yeah. nervous. A bit of I tension gotta, though. There is tension, mm. yeah, but it's also like. You know, they, they make a move and then they kind of walk away. So you Do they? Like, oh. And then there's commentators yeah. who will talk about all the different possibilities that could happen. <laughs> so I just like watching it because it's, cool. um, it's just really creative and it's really interesting. Mm. Um, and it's and on the Isle of Man. It's on, it's where that, that's where they're playing it. Just Do they move it around though? Uh, At like different there's locations? different tournaments in, okay. uh, all around the world. Yep. Because yep. So. the only reason I really know Isle of Man is from the TT race, like the motorcycle oh, race yeah, that they yeah. have around the entire island yeah. and you have to be quite mad to do that race but anyway <laughs> it's so dangerous sorry you were going to say something about the chess tournament though no it's just um yeah all the all the kind of best players around the world are, are there wow. so that's yeah. pretty cool yeah. very cool uh you also said that you're reading a book on preaching though <laughs> yeah <laughs> in contrast what's that about yeah uh it's called the heart is the target so okay. yeah thinking about how the i'm at, at a uh, at a spot where they're talking about how the living word of god uh, is to flow through uh, the preacher, mm. so convict the person who's bringing God's word, but also, and that flows through to convicting the, the congregation who hear the word. Yeah, right. Um, and so it's just a lot of practical kind of wisdom and advice on how to um, grow in that. Yeah. Has it already changed kind of like how you're preparing your sermons? Yeah, in like slowly uh, here and there, it's starting to just affect how I'm thinking about mm. uh, God's word for myself, but also yeah for the for the guys that write. 
Yeah. yeah. Lovely. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, we should um, reiterate that you are our pastor at Ride. Sure. So that's that's why he said the guys at Ride. Yeah. That's awesome. Doing a great job too. Yeah. I, I second that. <laughs> Stuart. Yes. Good to have you along, as always. Uh, what have you been watching? <laughs> okay. Well, my uh, viewing habit isn't as godly as... <laughs> Joey, oh, it's not ungodly, but it's not. It's, it's different. It's, it's not. <laughs> it's just very. It's different. not. It's not educational or <laughs> or, or even tense or even. Tense? Oh, it's a little tense. Yeah. Okay. So I've been watching a Netflix show called uh, I think it's called Larimer or mm. what's it called? What happened in Larimer or something like that? Okay. Anyway, it's about the this TV show on Netflix is about a town in uh, Northern Territory in Australia mm. that has eleven residents and they all hate each other. And they all don't get on. Really? And then one guy goes missing, this guy called Paddy Moriarty. And he's been missing for about five years or something, and they can't work out what happened to him, but they think someone killed him. So the show is a two-part special trying to work out. I think it's a reporter from the ABC is uh, the lady who narrates it. Uh, anyway, they, they're looking for this guy, and there's a $250,000 reward, but no one's talking. But then as it goes through, they kind of have some theories about who might have done it. And I won't spoil the twist at the end, but they still, at the end of the show, you still don't know who did it. Yeah. So I'm very riveting, like seeing people living in this town of 11 people, and they don't even get on with each other. It's that's crazy. crazy. Is it La- Last Stop Larimer? That's it. Oh, yeah, that's cool. it. Last Stop That's Larimer. what it's called. I thoroughly recommend it. It's very fun. Why did you enjoy it so much? I don't know. I couldn't stop watching it. It's just like, how can they not figure out who's done it? If well, I was wondering. I just, I was just, I was just different. Okay. Yeah. Like there was these people who'd lived there for thirty years and they didn't like each other. Right. I was like, why would you live in a town? Such a tight community as well. Eleven people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so anyway, I found that fascinating. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, right. Well, uh, moving on. Uh, if it is in Lara, I'm guessing there's a fair bit of red dirt. Yeah, it almost yeah, looks like yeah, the wall behind yeah, yeah. you is is made from red dirt with the yes, the orange. I think, and it I is. am looking very fetching with my bright blue football jersey on the with a green, a bright yeah, green well, I background. I think it's a bit different. Uh, do you want to explain why we're actually in this place? Yes, because well, I think that would be a good thing to talk about. I think that it might be fun to talk about. So, uh, a couple of months ago, some of our friends from Miranda Congregational Church uh, had a coffee with me, and they said that. They uh, were between ministers and they were interested in just chatting with Soul Revival about what some of our ideas were. And so we shared some ideas and then as we spoke, we were talking about it might be good to be friends with each other as churches while they don't have a minister. And so then the, the leadership of Miranda uh, sounded me out to see if I'd be interested in being their interim minister for six months. And so I checked with our bishop and our archbishop and with our parish council and our church and our staff team, which includes you two guys, mm. and we just talked about it a bit. And we thought, look, that might be a really good opportunity to serve and uh, come alongside another church, and that would be fun to do that. So they particularly were keen to get some help with some preaching over the next six months and to help with the youth group. Uh, so... We talked to our youth leaders and they were super keen to help with that and the staff you guys are very gracious and generous saying that we'd be able to help with that and so we've um yeah so they put that to the church at miranda Kongs and where we are today and uh there was a unanimous vote from the congregation to have me on as the interim minister for six months so yeah that started we're about a month and a half in i think is that right something like that i think so That's yeah something right, like yeah. that so uh, so yeah, the leadership said be okay if we use uh, one of their spaces for the podcasts every now and again, and yep. here we are. So here we are with an interesting background. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually set up as a kids' room, so yeah, 
This is like the junior edition to the Shock Absorber yeah, very podcast. Cool. Yeah, yeah, very much the Shock Absorber. Yeah, the Wiggles might come on the, shock, the podcast <laughs> down the track. Have you seen, I've been speaking of uh, online content, there's a documentary about the Wiggles. Oh, is there? On the Amazon Prime. Now yes. I finish Larimer. Once, once you finish. Yeah, maybe I'll <laughs> get into the Wiggles documentary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All I know is they were cockroaches before they were Wiggles. Oh, that was the name of the band, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. They weren't actual cockroaches? No. <laughs> that, would have been, that would be interesting. Teenage Mutant Ninja Cockroaches. Oh, yes. Uh Speaking of the, and something we should stress is this partnership yeah. with Miranda Congregational yeah. Church. And yeah, that's a good point. Very so pains to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good point. So, so uh, having me on as, as uh, interim minister means that we can partner together as two churches. I'm, I'm still part of Soul Revival. I'm still leading Soul Revival, mm. and we're looking at how we can move even more resources together for the next six months. It's kind of like you know we've drawn our two canoes together and we're kind of travelling together for a while. So mm. that's kind of good. Paddling along the river. Yeah. So Very it was cool. a nice invitation, and it was really exciting hearing our bishop Peter Haywood was like really stoked for it, and Kanishka was really stoked for mm. it. So yeah, and we've talked to the local Anglican church and talked to Brett about it, and mm. so yeah, so far it looks like. It's seen as a good idea to, to be encouraging. And it's really exciting because the two churches are different denominations. We're both evangelical churches, but, yeah, congregational and, and Anglican. So I kind of think it's really nice, actually. Yeah. No, no, it's been fun so far. Mm. We're looking forward to continuing that and mm. continually doing work together for, mm. for Jesus. I think that's what's really important. Yeah. Joe, a question for you in regards to this. When you first heard about it, like you and Stu are on very different uh, exp- amount of experiences of ministry. Yeah. What was your reaction to when you heard about it? That you, you know, you've just recently finished Bible college, mm. kind of just been your first job as a pastor. Yeah. And then the student talks about who's been a pastor for a long time, yeah. and then talks about like partnering with the church. What were your thoughts about it? Uh, well, at first, I thought it was like it was such a left field kind of proposal. <laughs> actually, like it was surprising. But I think the wonderful part of it. It quickly turned to kind of just appreciating Stu's kind of um, openness to partner with a church, not only like uh, within his own circle, but outside a different denomination, mm. but a denomination that cl- clearly, as we've kind of talked to the leaders there, they want to see the gospel go out. They want to reach the community. Mm. Um, they're evangelical. And so uh, I thought it was really lovely for student consider that bring it to the staff bring it to the church mm. and um yeah it was, it was really encouraging yeah. yeah to see that yeah. i think at first <laughs> i don't know if <laughs> we had a council meeting recently and i said you very graciously stepped out for us to talk about this proposal yeah, amongst the yeah. council which was really cool mm. but then i did just so you guys could say what you thought without worrying yeah. about offending me <laughs> and as you were leaving i said try not to plan another church while you're out there <laughs> but i think i meant that as a way of like you are continually looking to spread the gospel and that's what i think this partnership is about and mm. i think that's what you were doing so it was meant to be a joke in terms of saying i was encouraging you to saying I love how you think that way. So yeah, I took it like that. Yeah, good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I think you're always looking for opportunities, like Joey said. So yeah. I think that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, sometimes I have crazy ideas, but <laughs> I think this one's sometimes. Good. I think <laughs> yeah, it's a lot this more one's often. a good one. It was very lovely. We had um, your wife Lou yeah. on our sister podcast, Chip Lunch, yes. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And it was, she was, it was funny, she was saying that, like, some of the ideas are mine. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Yeah, yeah, she has a lot of ideas. That, which she does. Credit yeah, yeah. yeah. There's credit to, credit to both of you guys. Yeah, well, we're a partnership, so yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. As uh, you guys are with your wives, too. As uh, we are with Miranda Congregation, we're yeah. partnering with them, too. We are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next thing to talk about, 
was discipleship. Mm-hmm. And we, it came out of a discussion we were having in the staffing a, a week or so ago about how we thought that um, different people are discipled differently. Mm. So I wanted to ask you, you actually came, you said you had that realisation after just discussing certain things that were happening in church. Mm. Why did, like, how did you reach that conclusion, Stu? One, one of the things we've talked about as a church plant is that the ch- a church plant's a little bit different to an established church in some ways in that there are people who are coming to a very new church Mm. and so it's just forming and it's just trying to set up and so often when people go to a church that's already established there's this sense that they're just joining the church as it is but because a church plan is new and it's growing and it's forming I think people uh, quite rightly uh, are engaged in saying we'd love to help with that forming. Now the challenge of that is uh, the good thing about that is you get people coming who are really engaged and the challenge of it is or the shadow of that is sometimes uh, you're seeking to set a certain DNA that a church needs to have and a certain culture that people are coming to join and if they join a culture there's a sense where you want to have each new person come because we're the body of Christ right so Mm. everybody who comes along brings something uh, to the body of Christ and we're all to be active in the body of Christ and we're all gifted for that by the Holy Spirit so we're actually acting in the body of Christ uh, but the challenge for a church plant is as people come into that body of Christ they might come in with new ideas and say oh have you thought of this or what about if we do that now the challenge for people who are planning churches is to embrace those new ideas and engage with them and listen because often uh, God will use different brothers and sisters in the church to help create uh, will not create but help express the reality of uh, our um, of our church together in the local context but the, the the downside of that or the shadow of that can be you're trying to set a certain direction on a as a church with certain values and certain strategies and certain things you want to try and do and especially if those strategies are different to what people have experienced before they might come in and they might think um, oh I think oh, I don't think you've got that right because at the last church I was at, for example, if they are someone who's come from another church, they might come and say, oh, no, 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 the way we do it works a lot better. It's, you should do it this way. Right. But sometimes you've already talked about it and deliberately not wanted to go that way for, for whatever reason. So, yeah, there's a bit of a, a, a problem sometimes in having to engage with different ideas. And I think the answer is having as healthy a conversations with people as you can because an awkward conversation can turn into an awkward relationship and an awkward relationship can turn into an awkward conflict mm. and that can be really difficult so there's that sort of sense of being a shepherd in a in a pastoral sense in a in a church plant is there just needs to be i think everything needs to be slowed down a little bit sounds counterintuitive because you feel kind of like you've got to move quickly through things but as you're talking with people it's important to try and stop at each conversation not overdo it, but try and say, oh, you know, we're going okay on that conversation. Is that So that's something we talked about a little bit. Um, one of my mentors um, said to me once that church plants are a little bit exposed sort of thing. You've mm-hmm. got to ma- really make sure you maintain your, your culture because otherwise you're going to try and please everybody and you're not going to go anywhere. So you can't mm-hmm. actually please everyone. Someone might go... We need to have a kids ministry some people might say we don't need a kids ministry some people might say we need two kids ministries so if you're kind of responding to all those things you're going to end up going around in circles a bit so yeah i think that's what we were talking about that how do you have how do you balance maintaining a culture and a dna but also bringing in new ideas into that yeah right 
Is that something that you resonate with too, Joey? Because you, as I highlighted before, that you ensure on different ministry journeys at different points in time. Mm-hmm. Is that and but you, you're also in the pastor in charge of our ride gathering, which mm-hmm. is planted very recently as well. Yeah. Is that something that you experience as well? We're coming up with lots of new ideas, and if it's not talked through in a helpful way, it could turn into like you said, an awkward, awkward conflict. Yeah. Um, uh, thankfully, like in God's kindness, we we haven't had too much of that mm. so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of the really uh, interesting and cool things that happened in coming into the like church planting for Ride was that there was already a, a base. There were already quite a few of the core team mm-hmm. uh, who had been meeting up with Stu, um, who understood the culture of Solis. Um, two of our core team were. Uh, you know, members of Solis mm. in Kirui. They were, um, yeah. So Grace and Michelle. Yeah. Mm. And so uh, one of the strengths of that was that there was already a bit of culture forming there and a cult, um, passing on of that culture to other people who mm. had joined the Bible study during COVID, um, them understanding bits and pieces of, of that. Mm. And actually our year, particularly this year, has been trying to consolidate on a lot of that, mm. trying to make clear what the, uh, the DNA mm the ministry philosophy, the theology uh, strategy practice of Solis uh, help, help make that clear for the guys at Ride. Um, and so that's been, that's been good. There hasn't, hasn't been too many kind of pushbacks or kind of disagreements along those lines. Uh, and that's been yeah, something uh, that we've been really thankful for. Mm. What about yeah. for yourself, though, because you kind of came in after the core team. Yeah. Was that something that you found hard difficult because in uh, like church planning mm. parlance it's kind of like the the pastor is there from the very beginning and starts yeah and yeah. is supposed mm, to drive question. the thing yeah but yeah. it was we kind of did it differently with ryan yeah, yeah was that right. dif- yeah was that difficult for you uh i think uh yeah in the first year it was it was there mm. was i think uh difficult more so because there was just so many mm. variables there mm. was just so much stuff to kind of mm. Um, for me to get my head around a lot of ambiguity, I suppose. Yeah, right? oh, it's just like hundred percent, just like ambiguity. Um, <laughs> ambiguity city. Because I think we were all we were all figuring out together we were. what mm. this was like yeah. mm. and how to work together um, mm. uh, in the in that space of mm. geographical distance. Um, mm. And we're yeah, still working that out, right? Yeah, yeah. and still mm. working out. And mm. me like coming in almost sideways, um, <laughs> not growing up, you know, mm. in the Shire and with yeah. Solis. Yeah. yeah. Um, but appreciating a lot of mm. the the DNA mm. and the ministry philosophy, mm. uh, and but uh, yeah, and even then, even having so much kind of agreement, there were still kind of my own experiences, mm. my own background um, in ministry and stuff like that, yeah. where we've had to work through a lot of stuff. And mm. I think that's been good overall mm. to be able to slowly do that. Yeah. Mm. I agree, because you said to do things slowly, and I was just going to just off the back of what Joe was saying. Sorry, Stu, was. You said that it's important to to learn or to work out how to work through differences. What would you say is like the kind of top things to prioritise when you're doing that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think Joey's done unreal, really good job. Yes, he's, I agree. He's very talented and really humble and godly man and really good um, <laughs> preacher and leader. And he's a really honest person. And so I think that's part of what I really like about Joey. He'll talk about stuff if there's an issue. And so I'm not left guessing how's Joey going. He'll, you know, you do really well with that, mate. And I'm feeling, I I really trust Joey and I really believe in him as well. So 
I think that's that's been a really good thing. But yeah, there are things that you misunderstand or you say, you know, that aren't, you know, we've we've even worked out together that we have a different style of communicating. You know, that uh, Joey's a bit more, um, I suppose. What have we said? Bit, um, bit clearer, sort of thing. And like, I'll think out loud and and think out loud, whereas Joey's more, you're more thoughtful and. How would you describe that? We've talked a bit about that, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's been really interesting to work through. Um, <laughs> I guess for me, yeah, like mm. I'm more of a reflector and so I tend to just like think through something mm. and then want to say something quite kind of succinct and kind like of formulated. formulated. Yeah. yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but Stu, he's just like, um, let's talk about this. Like, like let's what get it this? out onto the table. <laughs> um, and I'm like, wait a second, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but that's, um, that's been really helpful, like mm. healthy, I think, mm. to recognise so. that yeah. and to work through. Yeah. So kind of have those differing styles yeah. but actually yeah. you're kind of like bouncing off each other to make that. Well, yeah, I think I've become a bit more like Joey. He may or may not have become a bit more okay. like yeah, me I too. So, I think yeah. so. <laughs> but but, we, but when, you, when you love someone you, as a Christian, you, you want to mm. be serving each other and want to make it work. And, yeah, I think that's really cool. But coming back to that discipleship question you asked, I think Joey and I have had very similar discipleship. So okay. that in the Chinese church that Joey grew up in, he had Ian as a leader who was very, mm. very theologically sound. He was evangelical. So that was similar to my growing up. And then also uh, very evangelistically minded. I think that's another thing we have in common that we've been discipled into. But also uh, we have had very good relationships with the people who disciple us. So I've had some disciples in my life that have been very important to me, particularly when I got to uni actually. Um, Yeah, some really seriously good disciplers. But Joey's had Ian and Ian's been a great discipler. And then I think... Uh, we've both been to more college, which is a disi- certain discipleship model that we both really loved mm. and both have been formed by as well. Mm. So when you have people who've been formed by similar environments and then there are differences in personality, you can fall back on the commonality of theology and you know the same kind of goals. Mm. So I think that's really helpful. And church plants can be a bit harder when people have a bit of a misalignment theologically or a misalignment strategically with regard to what the local church is or mm. what, what mission is or whatever. So I think it is good to have people in the leadership team in a church plant who are fairly aligned. And um, and it was actually Ian that suggested to Joey that he think about joining us. And yes. then he suggested to me that we think about putting on Joey as a pastor. And I think that's what I'm thrilled with it, to be honest. I think it's worked beyond my expectation. It's worked out pretty dreams. well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like Joey said, it doesn't mean we don't have disagreement sometimes or have to have hard conversations that's all part of the journey as well as you and I've had to have over the years too sometimes so um, but yeah it's also I think that's the other thing about being a leader in a church plan is listening to something that's a problem and trying to work out oh what have I done to contribute to that problem and how can I actually make it better by me doing it differently so I think it's good as a leader to try and be self-reflective and and be open to hearing if there's things I can change. So I hadn't really thought about myself in the way I communicated for years and years and hadn't really had anybody clearly articulate to me how I come across as a communicator. But Joey's actually the first person actually go, I think we talk differently. And I'm like, oh, really? So it's like the first time someone tells you you've got an accent as an Australian. You go, no, 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 you got the accent, not me. <laughs> so I think, yeah, that was really, that's been a fun part of this. Mm. And, and I think discipleship is you know i'm discipling you guys but you're kind of also discipling me too so mm-hmm. even though there's a you know someone's got to be the senior pastor but at the same time we're all discipling each other so i really enjoy that when there's a relational connection enough that people care enough about each other that they want to invest 
in each other's lives. I think that's really cool. And that makes a lot of sense too because we've talked about it many times on the Shock Absorber about our theology, strategy, mm. practice. And if really if you're not really aligned theologically, mm. then it's almost impossible to do that other things after that in, in the yeah. church context anyway. Well, yeah, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of places where people are ministering in places where people aren't actually on the same page theologically. Yeah, right even on some of the primary things. So mm. that can be a difficult journey. And I've had that in the past with certain things that I've been involved with, and it's been... It's not like you can't minister at all, but it, it is harder. So, it is harder. Yeah, like we're very blessed in Sydney to be in the Sydney Anglican uh, system that we're broadly aligned theologically with mm. each other, and I think that's an incredible blessing. Mm, definitely. What about... I think I asked this question earlier, but we, we went on a really good tangent, though, is that what if differing... People come into church with a, a kind of a differ, different kind of discipleship uh, approach. Mm. How do you, how would you manage that? Like maybe let's test this for example, Joey. What if someone comes in to your church mm. and has a different? I like that. You, I, I mean, I I know most of you guys are right, and I like that. You, I can tell that you guys are all aligned. That's what's really mm. special about it. Yeah, and even when I've gone to ride, I'm like, oh, this is Sorrel Bible. Mm. which is really special um, and I really appreciate that. So if someone comes to your church and they have a different maybe discipleship or have been discipleship discipled differently, yeah. what would you be approach to be, do you think? Uh, in a way that perhaps hasn't, hasn't been the way we were. Yeah, like it's obvious thinking. to you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I guess uh, there, there's multiple ways of think, thinking about it. Uh, I think the first kind of checkpoint is always to at least think about, um, like, is it something that uh, is biblically sound? Like, in terms mm. of like, does God go? Does God have anything directly to say about it? Or, mm. but is it shaped by the by the gospel and by the word? Mm. Um, so I think there's often, I think sometimes my inclination is to straight away go like, oh, if it's not, if it's really different, than to go like, oh no, like immediately. Yeah. Okay. I think I've learned slowly while making mistakes like along the way to <laughs> yeah. to just be able to just listen to to what they're proposing um to even affirm like the good things about like this kind of um perhaps model or this thing that they're proposing um but then also to try and help them think about uh the things of theology which it may tick but like also strategy mm. i think strategy is often the one where mm. um just it may be um, solid, used around other churches, but whether it aligns with some of the strategy and the direction we're trying to pull in, mm. um, that's probably where some of the conversation begins to um, be a bit more kind of it needs a robust kind of discussion. Mm. Um, but always wanting to, I think, uh, affirm them in their desire to grow as disciples. I think that's really amazing that God has done that work of, of you know. Uh, saving them of wanting them to grow in maturity as a disciple of Christ. Yep. And I think that's where it comes from, right? They, they want to bring this because we want to see pe more people grow in following Jesus. Uh, but I think it's, yeah, it is that level of strategy. I think probably the same, the same mentor um, that she was talking about has also once helpfully mentioned um, that idea of there's induction uh, and versus indoctrination. Yeah, that's good. Oh, uh, okay which has been helpful as we've thought about this church planting model, um, mm. this idea of the induction part of, for, for RIDE, of our church coming out of Solis, not out of Solis, but kind of partnering Solis mm. and planting in RIDE, mm. is that the principles, the theology mm. and the strategy 
uh, are crucial, are super important, yep. and that mm. we're constantly having to, um, yeah, just kind of align ourselves and to think through uh, those lenses. And at the same time, uh, ride is also very different from the Shire. Mm. Mm. Uh, different demographic, uh, different people um, coming to our church, um, uh, just yeah, different makeup of ages and, and culture. And so um, not, uh, it won't be an identical copy all the time because mm. of just the different people who will come. Mm. And so it's wrestling with, uh, with that, I think, in terms of it won't be a carbon copy all the time mm. of what's happening uh, in Kirawi, for example. But the theology and the strategy uh, ought to always be uh, what holds everything together mm. and kind of helps us to think about you know, different models of discipleship, for example, if someone brings mm. it to the table. Mm. Um, yeah, and to be, um, I guess, kind and thoughtful about how to mm. talk about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like how you said that because yeah. I think as I learned as I've got older, it's just to, if there's someone saying something you disagree with, just to give them space to actually just say it mm. first and yeah. let it finish rather than jumping in. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, hang on, that's wrong. What about it like? like not <laughs> yeah. being like that. I think yeah. when you're younger, you're like, oh, I have to win this argument. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think you're going to really... I don't think you're likely to win an argument when you're just allowing, like you're just going biting back as soon as you can. That's yeah, yeah. that's my thoughts anyway. Mm, yeah. Stu, any thoughts on what Joey was talking about? Yeah, as well? I think that's really wise. I mm. think that there's two kinds of church plants. There's a hub and spoke church plant, and then there's a mother daughter church plant. There might be others as well, but the two main ones are that. And if people want to carry the DNA of the church they plant out of into the new church, that's a hub and spoke. Mm. So they try and work together as a team, which is what we do here at Sorrow. Yeah, Bible, which right? is mm. what we do. But yeah, I, I think eventually there could be a case where there'd be a church plant team that say, hey, look, I love Soul Revival, but I don't like that part about it. So we'd like to plan off a daughter church and that wouldn't carry the DNA of Soul Revival and that'd start off as a new strategy. So, yeah, I think, I think it's good to be flexible and just to be open to the two options taking place. Um, but the other thing that I want to comment on with that discipleship thing that struck me when you said earlier like what was it that struck you yeah. about when people come along um sometimes when sorrow because sorrow is a little bit different it's not different theologically it's still an evangelical church but because it's an all-age all-stage church that's a bit different because it's a community that's on mission together and so some of the slight nuances are people come to a service and they'll see people of different ages together they'll see certain distinctives of how we do kids ministry and youth ministry and it's sort of new, unique in some ways, like like a lot of churches are unique in some ways, you know. Yep. But I think every church is slightly unique, actually. But when people come into something they don't quite understand and then they say, oh, why don't we do X? And you do feedback and say, well, actually, we'd rather do Y. Sometimes the downside of that is that people can go, oh, because I wasn't, I didn't grow up in this church, I'm not really part of it, or because I didn't grow up in this church, I don't really understand it, or because I, I haven't grown up in the church and think like all of you, I don't feel like I've got the same input as everybody else. I'm really listening for that all the time because I want to encourage people that this church is their church as well. We are walking a, a, a line of trying to listen to new ideas but keeping a culture at the same time. But for ages I've been hearing that comment about, oh, because I didn't grow up in Solis or whatever, and I think that's a very genuine response when you come to something that's a bit different. But just recently, what I think 
I've changed my thinking in when I talk to people about that is I don't say, well, it's not so much about the fact that, you've gr- that you haven't grown up in Solis and you don't think like us. It's just that you might have been discipled slightly differently along right. the way. Right. So even though Joey and I have been discipled very similarly, there will be differences between us. And, um, you know, some of those differences are Shire and Ride, some of the, you know, family of origin, some of them are the discipleship realities of the two of us with regard to uh, a whole heap of different things. So... Mm. The, the thing I'm trying to encourage Ride with is even though you guys haven't grown up with us in the Shire, you're still part of us. And I think mm-hmm. it's more helpful to say some of the differences just might be difference in discipleship and, mm-hmm. and some of the things we've experienced. And when you talk about that, you can actually bring it right back to theology, which Ian and Joey and, and Grace and the crew do really well. And in fact, Ian, our brother, shout out to Ian. I don't know if he listens to this podcast, but he's exceptional about saying, okay, well, how does the Bible say that? What does the Bible say here all the time, which is unreal? I love it when people want us to be even more biblical. It's really <laughs> moves me, actually. But and, and it's Ian, actually, who said, you know, when you see two different people ministering together, it brings glory to God. Because people are saying, like, why is Ride and Solomon Shire working together? Mm. And, and we say Jesus, and they go, wow, he's pretty cool. If mm. He's the reason you want to work together. Mm. So, yeah, so come back to that theology of discipleship means we have that conversation of, well, okay, so you're thinking about youth ministry like this, or kids, let's say kids ministry again. You know, your view of kids ministry is this. Well, it's theologically started here and then you've kind of thought strategically about it like this i've thought theologically like this and strategically like this Mm. maybe we can bring those two points of view together to create something new together which we often do and the other cool thing is rides a great example of it like rides added to our church planting iterative design so that the things we try iterative design is just try something learn from the mistakes make it better try again learn from the mistakes, make it better. It can be a bit frustrating for some, some different kinds of personalities that are kind of more linear and just want to think it from the beginning and work out how we're going to get to the end point. But uh, it is a fast way to, to design things because you can grow up quite quickly. But in the iterative design of Ride, we've actually learned more about all the other church plants we've done before Ride, and that's helped us to change how we do church planning. And we've come up with this idea of Vespa, Beetle and Combi, which is a fun way of talking about micro churches, small churches and large churches. So a Vespa is a very small vehicle, micro. Beetle is an iconic car, which is a small car. And a Combi is an iconic car, which is a big car. So, and it was Grace that actually got us thinking about that Vespa thing, because before we talked about ride, we only had two categories, small church, large church. But to go back to this connected community idea that Grace had, has completely revolutionised everything we do. And so if we didn't do right, Soul Revival would still be back at small church, large church. But, uh, and Grace herself came up with the idea of Vespa. Now, you know, that's, that hasn't stopped there. The iterative design we do at Ride has, is being fed back. Yarrawarra is being fed back. And in fact, after COVID, Yarrawarra was hit so bad by COVID that we took it back from a small church to a micro church. So that, that means that people who've been discipled slightly differently but have the same theology can actually create new expressions together. And um, just to finish that point, I know I've talked a bit on that, but to finish that point, it's no surprise that new things start in port cities. So if you look at the origin of rock and roll, it started in Liverpool in England and in London. It started in New Orleans and San Francisco. Mm. And so 
why does why do new things like rock and roll start in New Orleans? Well, that's where the ethnic diversity is at mm. highest. So you get all these different ethnic um, musical styles coming together in a port city, and something new comes out of it. So our hope in Soul Revival is if we're aligned with Ride in the Southern Shire, then here's two different cultures. But rather than trying to mesh them together and be frustrated by that, we, we try and celebrate the differences and go, that's going to make us stronger because we'll be able to do it differently. And then that's also the case with our Aboriginal friends out in Brewarrina. So going out to Brewarrina, they've been discipled differently to have more meals than us. And they had the idea of having meals after every service. So we tried that down in Sydney and that's been really successful. And now we're doing it at Ride and Southern. But that's an Aboriginal idea, not a Sutherland Shire idea. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like about that. Yeah, and I appreciate that's the way to something we even talked about with our planning day of having a framework that we use the theology strategy practice to run new ideas through so we can test it, obviously test it against the Bible to begin mm-hmm. with, and then test it does it fit strategically and then can we fit this in flexibility. I think that's something I appreciate about your leadership that we've learned is building in the flexible parts to actually be able to be changed. And it's, it is the shock of all model, isn't mm. it? Of building these flexible parts in that we can change it. So Yarrawarra, or the one that I always like to talk about is our Friday night gathering. That's mm. gone through so it's many re- iterations. That, it has. And now it is having, I think it was, I think we heard on Wednesday night, it was uh, 80, around approximate average attendance of about 80 people going. Yeah, eight, eight, 80 adults and 20 kids. So it's yeah. about 100, yeah. So that's a, like, but that started at, at five people yeah it took time yeah, right it but it, but that's because we built into the flexibility to make that happen mm. now we're seeing mm. a lot of fruit from it which is really really mm. lovely to have and i think it's the same thing with our church planning model of that after covid yarrawarra wasn't mm. working great but we knew we could flexibly go back to mm. still having a service that was a micro church as you mm. described it but it's quite still has all those elements that we need that we mm. expect to have at a like a evangelical mm. theologically based yeah, having service. a talk in a car park in yeah. Yarrawarra at the moment, which is pretty yeah, cool. That, that's right. but <laughs> Pretty basic. It's very John Bunyan, actually. Yeah. <laughs> right. But we all, we'll see that. I think we'll see – it might need to go through a couple of iterations, but mm. we, will pro- we will likely see that grow, hopefully. Yeah, I think it's already growing. Yeah, yeah. it's already growing. So we're hoping yeah. that will happen, continue happening just yeah. like it did on the Friday night gathering. And there's about 100 people who visited Ride this year so far, Michelle tells us, mm. which oh, yeah. is very Overall, exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is very exciting. It's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, things are being – yeah, it's just incredible when God's really kind and generous and mm. and you can just try stuff that are a bit different. Yeah, mm. it's good. You uh, Talking about discipleship, uh, the other thing that you brought up when you said you had that realisation was uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, because mm. there is a his book, The Cost of Discipleship. Mm. Uh, I assume that you both go to more college that you've had to do some study of Bonhoeffer. Would that be correct? Or do you, do you get to choose? I don't know. I don't go to college. <laughs> <laughs> we both came across him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Have read some of his uh, his books. Well, let's start with your impressions first, and then why, Stu? Maybe you can tell us why you mm. thought um, it was a it was worthwhile bringing up. Mm. So, mm. goes. Well, excuse, excuse me. Uh, go, Joey. Tell us what what you thought about Bonhoeffer. Uh, well, one of I think one of the books that uh, really struck me when I was going through college reading was his little book, uh, mm. Life Together. Okay. Uh, which uh, isn't, I guess, he's got the cost of discipleship, but I think a lot of that Mm. forms uh, his thinking about uh, Christians uh, being in community together and doing life together. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, just 
uh, super insightful in terms of his thinking that it, that that Christian community, uh, I think he says, is is to be formed uh, in and through Jesus, or through and in Jesus. Yeah, that it, it's that Jesus changes everything. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the individual, it's mm. through Jesus that you come to be saved, and it's in Jesus actually that you gather together. Mm. Um, and I think he's very firm and very strong on the fact that uh, it is um, the gospel that has that brings our community together more than anything else. Uh, I think I've uh, and I've been convicted of that from God's word, but also in experience in terms of um, from my previous church mm. experiences, uh, also here at Solis that mm. it is the word that has to be mm. the, the thing uh, and it has to be Jesus that mm. uh, brings this community mm. together more than anything else. Yeah, because um, yeah. that's what God works through. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 So yeah. I was struck by that. Stu? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I like his book um, about discipleship and he talks about costly grace versus cheap grace. Mm. And I think that's a really pertinent thing in our day and age because I think that sometimes people go around looking for a church for them that suits them. And that's not necessarily a bad thing to do. People need a church for their kids and they want to have a church where they can dig in in discipleship with other people. But one of the things I worry a little bit about is we've become a bit consumeristic as modern Christians and we see church just like we see other stuff, like uh, people will pick a certain kind of car that fits their lifestyle. I worry a bit sometimes people pick a church that suits their lifestyle as well. Right. And uh, Bonhoeffer's idea of costly grace is involves that it's involved following Jesus and it's going to cost you and it leads to suffering and I'm not sure that a lot of the modern church is focused on a Christian discipleship that actually challenges them to live a life of suffering mm. so I think we need to kind of keep that on the agenda in a materialistic world like um, mm. the secular culture of Australia and the the other thing I like about what he says is the call to follow Christ is literal and it requires commitment that might cost cost you. And for for Bonhoeffer, it actually cost him his life. So mm. he was in Nazi Germany and he refused to bow to the Nazi church. And the Nazis were trying to come into churches, put big Nazi banners in the churches and things. And he ripped them down and said, no, they're not putting any of these swastikas up in my church. We don't have a broken cross. We have a cross in our church. <laughs> and so that, that actually ended up leading to cost him his life, which is a long story. But... I think the visible community that people need to see is a group of disciples who are living a costly discipleship and we're putting Christ first and themselves second and putting other people first and themselves second. And it's very difficult to do and we don't all do it perfectly. But, um, yeah, I think suffering is something we try and avoid in our culture these days rather than embrace. And the downside of that is that if church gets hard or you have a conflict with someone, uh, sometimes those conflicts can lead to reconciliation and that's a good thing to do. But because there's so many churches around, you can just have a fight with someone in a church and then go to yeah. another church or mm. you leave one staff team and go to another staff team. Sometimes you do need to do that. But um, I like Bonhoeffer's commitment to his local gathering of people and the visible community is participating community. It's not people who are just watching what's going on from the front they're mm. actually part of the church so mm. yeah trying to work out what that looks like when many of our expressions that have been passed on to us are a bit more event church where you go to church and you sit there and you watch something and you sing and you participate in the liturgy and that but what do i do for this church how do i and what does it cost me you know like for example we've made church easier and easier to go to and you know it's only an hour for most people on a sunday and then they have a short 
morning tea and then go home and that's too much for some people and so some people only go to church once a fortnight or once a month because they're busy but it's sort of like i think you put sunday first or saturday whenever you go to church first and then you fit the rest of your life around that you mm. you know prioritize church mm. and philip jensen once said you know it's a really good idea to find a church then find a job and then find a house rather than find a job then look for a house then look for a church mm. and sometimes you've got to do it in the the former but uh I think it's a really good model that my wife and I were convicted by that. Like we just went, well, we're in a church where there's no other young adults at all except for us. And it'd be easy to go down the road to a bigger church with more young adults, but let's help, you know, the gospel here where we are. Yeah. And let's let's um, let it cost us. And then when you're you it's a it's a breakthrough. It's like a liberation. When the gospel can cost you, or any fight you have at church is not necessarily the last time you're going to go to that church, and because you, you know each church conflict might lead to you leaving, it's it's just it's a growing experience. It's like, well, how can I repent and learn to be a better Christian? How can I serve my brothers and sisters better? What do I need to grow in? So I think being in local church staff teams too is a really mm. good opportunity to grow as a Christian. Yeah. It's really good. No, I think I've, so. I've, costly, yeah, costly discipleship well, is my favourite bit. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> this, um, I mean, I've learned that just being on staff for the last three years as an example Joe I was going to ask you that idea of costly discipleship uh, you definitely grew up in a different background from where a different area of Sydney a different church etc mm. is that an idea that you've come across and do you think it is uh, as a parent in the areas that you've grown up in compared to for example in Shire where we I think sometimes anything costing you would be like I'm not doing that mm. um, uh, yeah uh, I was it's interesting thinking about I guess like the church that I grew up in, uh, it definitely was costly hmm. for, dif- for different reasons. We had often uh, in, the, in the kind of Chinese Australian church that I grew up in, just a high turnover of pastors, oh, okay. sometimes going on um, kind of years without a, without a pastor, um, yeah, right. particularly for yes. the English congregation, because th- this is the, the kids congregation, mm. the um, kids of immigrants coming over. Mm-hmm. And often... Yeah, th- there was turnover. Some sometimes for good reasons because some pastors went off to be missionaries overseas. Mm. Others, uh, yeah, it was difficult mm. uh, understanding the culture, um, different from theirs. Sometimes burnout, and so there. Sometimes it, in those intervening years, there was I think I saw modelled before me actually when I was growing up costly discipleship mm. of right. um, of uni students mm. of workers just pouring themselves into teaching the bible to mm. to youth to kids mm. um for years on end uh because well there wasn't a pastor to kind of mm. figure out church so well we got to do it you know? <laughs> um, That's really cool. and and we're, we're such a, we're kind of quite different from our parents congregation mm. and their culture um and the language barrier is mm. is sufficient is there and so um, I think seeing that um, it was almost it almost became quite normal uh, mm. in that sense. The cost in terms of uh, time and energy, um, giving up the Fridays, um, uh, which became apparent when I started working. When I graduated, started working, and um, you know Friday nights is often the night where there's a lot of just social stuff with your workmates. Mm. Great opportunities. That's a good point. For, yeah, for friendship and evangelism, mm. Mm. or just. Um, yeah, getting to know your your workmates, but I remember just having many of those my leaders in youth group, 
um, in Bible studies, just kind of giving up their time to um, to prepare and also mm. to teach teach us mm. and be friends with us. So that was yeah, costs mm. a lot. Yeah, cost a lot. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I haven't read Bonhoeffer, but I'm inspired to do so. I mean, because he obviously knows what what it would cost to be in Nazi Germany and doing yeah. that. Mm. Didn't you buy all of his works? Is that right? Yes. <laughs> Are you working your way through them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Because I'm, I'm assuming there's a fair bit of it. That's <laughs> yeah, well, that's one of the blessings of digital age. Like, There's a program called Logos and they had a sale on Bonhoeffer and I thought, oh, that's cool. What, you get a couple of books and it's like the whole thing. And I'm like, cool, that's pretty cool. It starts with all these early writings and his PhD. And oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit intimidating when I'm trying to write a PhD and yeah. I read his stuff when he was in his early 20s. I'm like, oh, it's a little bit of a come down. But yeah, it's, it's very inspiring. Yeah, he's... Yeah. He's a very, um, very, very um, popular Christian writer and he just came out of such a different world to us and yeah. it did cost him his life because yeah, yeah. he ended up going to prison and then the prison guards executed him just days before the Americans arrived to liberate the prison camp. So, mm. I, yeah, I just think that's just so tragic. But, yeah, he was willing to, to do that for the Lord. Yeah. And, yeah, there's, there's a lot more to that story for another day, yeah. Mm, we'll have to do it. We'll have, once you've read all the works, then you can, we'll get you on for a Bonhoeffer shock absorber. We could. We could go through life together one day, actually. That'd be a good book okay. to look at in an episode. Yeah, yeah as you, it was a short one. Is that oh, what you said, yeah. Joe? Yeah, sweet. Though. That'd be a cool the thing best to do. kind of books. <laughs> we could do something a bit different, actually. If we get... <laughs> get yes. If we get all our listeners and readers, like if you guys all see if you can get a digital copy of Life Together and have a read oh, of have it. Like a prescribed and text. We all read it and then we can all, you know, be, yeah. th- we might be able to engage a bit more. We, yeah. We've been asked to, if we could open up the Discord a bit more okay. again because uh, I think it's we had that going a bit uh, early on uh, during COVID a bit and uh, I think it would be really fun to get you to show us how to do that again. Maybe. <laughs> sure. It's just a link. The, we'll just put the link in. Yeah, just yep. the link. So, yeah, if anyone's keen to mm. talk about Bonhoeffer, mm. we might look into that later, yeah. One final question before we mm. wrap up the podcast. Uh, at, at all of our gatherings, and we've talked about our theology strategy practice, one of the parts of our strategy is to be aspirationally intergenerational. Like we mm. want to be all age, all stage. And we talked about kind of different approaches and different discipleship approaches and things like that. How... What do you think are the best ways to understand how we manage that between young and old? Because there's obviously, again, we talked about people that have come from different churches, they may have been discipled differently, but even people that are growing up in our church, mm. how do we work together in a healthy way to ensure that we're probably pulling in the same direction if that's what we're doing as a church, but then also there's going to be differing ideas about how we should do things. Do you want to, I know you've, you've done that for a long time. Though, yeah, so that's just quickly. They, I think there's informal directed. and formal conversations around ideas is mm. really helpful. So young people are living in, on the cutting edge of technology and they tend to be early adopters of technology. Mm. Now, there's a guy called Andy Crouch who's written a book called Culture Making and his argument is that culture's always changing and in the book he argues that it's complex and it's fast it's complex because it happens in all the different levels of society, the change, but it's fast-paced because of technology. Now, with the technology part, young people are getting onto the new technologies quicker than the rest of us. Now, if you look back just in recent times, the internet kind of broke in the 90s and then the iPhone was released just about 10 years later, which introduced 
a whole new perspective to the internet and then social media apps and stuff like that. And then about 10 years later, we've had AI, which is apparently going to be even more revolutionary than both those two technologies put together. So we've got this fast-paced change. Young people tend to be onto it straight away. Now, Andy Crouch makes the point that culture makes us. So technologies that we use and the experiences we have create new behaviours that create new ways of thinking and new ways of thinking create new values. So, for example, the pill, contraceptive pill, was invented in the 19-whatevers, 50s or whatever. It got released in the 60s. That led to the sexual revolution. And the sexual revolution was a whole new way of behaving sexually that a whole generation uh, was able... Uh, you know, women were able to decide when they got pregnant, basically. So that meant that men and women's attitudes towards sex became a lot different to their parents generation which were a lot more mm. conservative so um when having sex with someone actually led to mostly having babies then you know there was that whole concept of christian marriage have sex within christian marriage and then have babies within the context of that and then so that that's kind of the christian heritage or tradition that the church has been promoting but then in the 60s there's this massive explosion of um sexual experimentation that was the different behaviour around, because of the technology of the pill, there was different behaviours that led to different way of seeing sex that is not necessarily going to lead to having babies. The sexual activity got disconnected from fertility mm -hmm. and, and having children. And so that generation started to think differently to the previous generation because of the pill, because of the invention, because of the different behaviour that created a new way of thinking. Now, the challenge for the church is that's very hard to pass on old values uh, to young people when they grow up with different technologies because they have different values because they have different ways of seeing the world. So what Andy Crouch has argued is rather than trying to just sit back and consume the culture that you're in or reject the culture you're in or just critique the culture you're in or something in between, he argues that lots of Christians do those things but it doesn't actually change culture to do those things. But he says, really interestingly, what changes culture is cult creating your own culture at the mm. grassroots level of society in your local churches. So I think what happens is in the grassroots, you get coffee shops, you get sporting clubs, you get churches, and those areas and spaces of community are actually influenced by the broader culture, but also they create their own little communities and cultures so you can go to coffee shops across sydney and experience different cultures within those coffee shops and even though you go from sydney to melbourne the melbourne coffee shops are different if you go overseas they're different again so an example is i went to i had the opportunity to go to italy and i went into a shop and i said i oh, can I have a flat white and the the, the person went i don't know what you're talking about never yeah. heard of that before <laughs> but then someone in the back stall went oh that's an australian uh jill whatever the lady's name was well, it probably wasn't Jill. <laughs> probably wasn't. I can't remember what her name was. But he said, oh, that's an Australian. They, they call blah, blah, blah. And he had another word or another language for the, for the coffee I wanted. And she went, oh, right, yeah, yeah, Australians. Yes, you have frothed milk with, you know, with the coffee. With the coffee. One shot, bit of milk, froth it up. Yep. And, and then she gave it to me and it was a flat white. But so in different parts of the world, there's different local cultures. Oh, yeah. Yep. Now, Andy Crouch says, 
maybe the way that Christians can engage with this fast-paced changing culture is in the local area, young people and old people who have different values, who have different cultures because they grew up under different technologies, if they have a space to gather where they can create new cultural goods together, then that, that is actually going to be how the local churches are going to thrive and grow in, in the mainstream. So, for example, when there's a really contentious issue, uh, like in Australia, the same-sex marriage uh, plebiscite in Australia was a really contentious issue in between different generations in churches. So we had informal conversations about it around dinner with young people. So we had old people and young people having dinner every week. So I got to say to them, oh, what do you think about that issue? What's your thoughts? And they tell, tell me that. But then we also had a formal forum where we had, um, we, we're blessed to have someone from Anglicare who's also been an ethics lecturer at Moore College at our church. So we had him uh, in the forum and myself, because I'd studied the history of grassroots movements in Australia since the 60s, I've, I used to lecture in um, feminism and Marxism actually at uni, which is another story, but different time in my life. But the, um, yeah, well, I just brought some of the history of the, of the, um, the same-sex movements that we're experiencing in the 2010s. And so we talked about that briefly, both those sides of things. Then we opened up to the community just to, for people to share their thoughts. And it was really lovely because in that forum, there was a young guy who actually had been invited along by a Christian member of our church. This guy wasn't a Christian, and he was uh, a member of the LGBTIQ community. And he was the first to ask a question. And it was a really lovely moment because he said, because we just talked about the whole issue from the front for probably 15 minutes. And then he said, I've got a question, but I'm a bit nervous of asking the question because you guys were so generous and sensitive to my community. I'm hoping I can be as sensitive and generous to your community yes, as you've been to me. Yeah. So that was a cultural good we created on that night, which was a, a conversation space that was welcoming to people with divergent views. And that's a very beautiful thing when you can create something that people who disagree with each other can come and talk about things without getting upset. Uh, now, you know, it was a, a highly emotional topic, but it actually was something we could talk about in a generous, gracious way. So mm. I think that's the way the generations can work together. And we call that a shock absorber because the distinctive for us is the added part of the shock absorber to Crouch's theory is we've identified that older people have wisdom and strength and younger people have flexibility and energy. And if you look at a car with a shock absorber, if it's too flexible, it'll break. But if it's too rigid and it's too strong, it'll break. So it needs the flexibility of the young with the wisdom of the ages to be able to work really well. Now, it's not always easy, but even in our staff team, I experience that with you two because you're younger than me. You see the world differently. You've brought brought up under different technologies. And so I really benefit from hearing your flexibility towards culture and you know, I share my thoughts for what they're worth. But again, there's a, there's a challenge for us older crew that we don't try and impose our culture on young people and our cultural expression of Christianity on young people, but we're open to let them help us. And that's why we try and really foster uh, attitudes amongst older Christians that, they, that it's a good thing to aspire to being sages in the church. That was something John Piper used to encourage people to do, that to try and be thinking biblically but then encouraging the young people to come in with ideas too. So it's a messy process, but happening week to week in formal and informal conversations, I think it works really well. Mm. And as long as everyone's okay when we, we don't get it right, like when, you know, I remember one forum we had on 
just war actually which is kind of interesting considering the latest stuff going on in palestine mm. but there was one person who was a pacifist and one person who was one. <laughs> uh into just war whose son was in afghanistan yes and we tried to have a calm conversation about it but it exploded these two guys were going for it oh. and we all just went okay we didn't do that real well that that didn't work i think that was one of the first forums we did it was the first forum. Church, yeah, yeah. yeah it was and it didn't work and it was full on and those two guys ended up going and having a coffee with each other which was good and godly of them and they got each other's position but yeah it doesn't always work and i think i think sometimes we're afraid because when we make a mistake we think that doesn't work but sometimes a mistake is just pointing out how we can grow as well and it's a way to grow so any reactions from what she was saying, Joey, in terms of the cultural good thing is quite interesting. Is that mm. because we're trans, I'm guessing, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that because we're transformed by the gospel, we have an ability to transform culture by creating new cultural goods. New cu- cultural artifacts cultural or goods. Artifacts yeah. And goods yeah. that will yeah. Yeah. help change culture. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and okay. that, yeah. And that means we create Christian behaviors within the small contexts of our local churches. And I think that's how Christ changes the world because we change as individuals and then as individuals we come together as churches and Mm. then as churches we stand out and look different to the rest of culture. Mm. Sometimes we look the same, sometimes we look different. Mm. Mm. What do you think, Joey? Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) 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 No, I I, I resonate with... I mean, I think that's um, really encouraging to hear Mm. how how Stu's kind of thought through that, how he's leading that. Um, That's always... um, Yeah, that... Christ's body uh, is meant to be a light to the world, um, yeah, and yeah. and and different in terms of a, a culture, a people mm. who who stand out, um, and that co- that's costly in mm. terms of discipleship. Mm. But I think that's yeah, that's mm. exactly what God calls us to do, yeah. and yeah, it's wonderful to hear um, how mm. that continues to be what we're working towards as mm. you know as we keep hearing God's word that that keeps shaping our community. And yet, it's ne- it's not perf- never perfect. No, and we just keep uh, keep uh, graciously kind of mm. pursuing that. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. I always wait for someone who's going to be better at leading that to come along than me because I'm like I'm always aware of how oh I could have done that better or oh I could have said that better or but at the end of the day we we none of us walk on water only Jesus does so no, that's right yeah, yeah we shouldn't beat each other ourselves up too much but mm. yeah well it's been a really um, Fantastic conversation. Thank you. We touched on a lot of things today. So it was really, really good. Um, I found it encouraging. Hopefully, if you are listening or watching, you found it just as encouraging. Um, if you do have any thoughts about it, email me at joel at shockabsorber.com.au and we can get chatting or you can drop a comment in the YouTube video and we'll put the Discord up. Okay. We'll try and awesome. make, that, we'll make that happen So we're doing again. it at a certain time? Not, or is it just not all at the, the time? moment. So, well, I think we, what we could do is if people want to get involved... They can start chatting on the Discord and then we can arrange a time. Let's do that. To, we can all get Sick. online if they want to. Sick. Okay. Cool. Cool. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Joey. Yeah. Thank you, Stu. Thanks, Joey. Very much Thanks, appreciate it. Yeah. So Thanks for having us. Fun. And we always finish with a one-way. 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 One way.